Spirit. Amen. My reflection today winds through all three of the lectionary readings, so it's going to be a bit of a long and winding road. Hopefully not too long, but certainly windy. Um, And uh, the fun part for me is where I'm starting. Um, And so I will share my delight in in obscure and unusual places to start. One line in all of today's readings is my starting point, which is going to lead me into all the rest of it. And that line is, except on grounds of unchastity. (laughs) What a great place to start. Ooh, it's sexual. No, 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 that's not the point. Not the point. The point is, that's not in Luke. That's not in Luke. Did Jesus say it? Did Matthew add it in? Did some other editor add it in? Did someone take it out? Did Jesus say it? And did Luke take it out? Why is it different? Or did he do two different sermons where he changed his mind between the first one and the second one? Did he change his mind? Which way did he change it? Why would he change it this way or that way? You see, we're already starting to wind our way into some wonderful questions, right? And I, I'm going to skip all that. You can leave it for Bible study or EFM. Um, I'm just going to jump to my conclusion and then carry on from there. So I'm going to skip over a whole bunch of stuff. We can chat. Now, the answer, as far as I'm concerned, is very obvious. It's because, what do you mean if, if you divorce your wife for any reason, then you're going straight to hell? I, come on, unchastity, that's you got to be fair. Got to be fair now, right? So, so the real reason is, well, that's not fair. And whether Jesus thought it or whether a later editor thought it, um, I don't think Jesus said it, frankly. I think Jesus said the Luke version. Um, and, uh, and, and when people read it, they went, well, that's, that's not fair. That's not right. We, we gotta, maybe, we, maybe we heard him wrong. We must have heard him wrong, right? Let's write that in. So, and, and, and why is that? Why do we write it in? Because... In Matthew, particularly, Jesus is giving us the rules. And these are the rules, and you've got to follow the rules. And Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, and Matthew really leans into this, if you don't go along with the rules, you're going to hell. That's, you're going to have fire and damnation and gnashing of teeth and all that horrible stuff if you don't do what you're told. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is like a new Moses. Jesus is laying out the law like Moses with the commandments on the mountain, except that this is not just a law of your behavior. It's a law of the heart. So he's raising raising the bar now. It's not enough just not to murder. Anybody can do that. You have to not hate. Oh, that's a bit harder. Okay. You know, and, and Matthew is very clear in drawing the parallels between Jesus and, on the, it, like, where is the sermon taking place? It's on the mount. This is the sermon on the mount. Just like Moses gave the law from the mountain, Jesus gives the law from the mountain. Luke, it wasn't on the mountain. It was on the plain, right? So did he do two sermons, one on the plain, one on the mountain? He changed his mind a little bit between them? I No. He had a whole collection of sayings that were put together, and Luke put it on the plain because Luke was making a point about Jesus. Matthew put it on the mountain because Matthew was making a point about Jesus. So the message is, who is Jesus? That's what matters, not historical accuracy. This is very important when reading the Gospels. We're trying to get the message about Jesus from the evangelists, and Matthew is telling us Jesus is a new Moses. Now, when Jesus is giving us new rules... These rules are really hard. I mean, imagine being me at 15 years old, hormones rocketing through my body, and I'm told not to look at someone with lust in my heart. Are you kidding me? And 
you know, never mind putting out an eye or a hand. You know, I know how to fix this and I don't want to do that. So, so seriously, is this where we're going, right? And these are hard. This is impossible. I couldn't possibly do it, right? And so you get into this place as a Christian, as a serious Christian, where you resonate with so much of the moral and spiritual teachings of this tradition, and then you run across this stuff, and you just go, do I just have to beat my heart into this submission into this monastic place where I don't even have normal human feelings anymore. How do I even do that? And, and from the outside, when I've met people that have done that to themselves, they are crazy. They really are. They're, they're, not, they're not allowing themselves to be the human beings that they actually are with actual feelings. So that has never been a model for me of what making it spiritually looks like. That looks like twisting yourself into something you're not. And it's, it's wrong. And it's, it's, it's actually cruel that for a tradition to do that to people. And I, I would not want our tradition to do that to anyone, to make them say, I am going straight to hell if I have any of these feelings. I am having these feelings, therefore I have to stop having feelings, stop having those feelings. I'm still having them. I'm going to pretend I don't. I'm going to bury them so deeply that I won't even be aware of them anymore. And so now they'll only come out when I do bad things to others and don't know why. Right? That's not a solution. That's not okay. So, the winding road. Where, why does Matthew go there? Why does Matthew interpret Jesus in that way? Well, Matthew is working with the scriptures that he had, and he is looking at Deuteronomy. Here we go to the first reading. This is the climax of Deuteronomy that we have just read today. I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life is the message from Moses, right? These rules are for your benefit. They make you better off. They will give you life if you follow them. They won't be death. They will be life right? And when you read the Old Testament and you look at the world in which they lived and you, and you got the vision of an Israel who cared for the widow and the orphan and, and, um, and, and, and followed rules of justice for their community, that's a strong Israel. I can see exactly why. And I can say with the Deuteronomist, yes, those rules lead to a good society. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness, etc., right? Uh, I could do the 10. I can't do the 613, so don't, don't ask. But, um, but that, that whole picture of a nation faithful to God makes a blessed nation, and I will maintain that literally to this day. If we, had an, as a nation, were to pledge ourselves to the rules of God, we would be better off. I would absolutely make that claim. However, Once you get into Matthew, who's interpreting Jesus' statements on that basis, I think Matthew made a mistake. I said it. I believe it. It's true. And the thing that Matthew didn't understand is the difference between halacha and agadah. Okay? Little Hebrew words, Hebrew lesson for you guys. Halacha is the law. The Torah is the halacha. Agadah is is an ancient Hebrew spiritual teaching method, which is using hyperbole, exaggeration, um, overstatement in order to catapult your mind into thinking new thoughts, is being deliberately provocative in order to make you think and pay attention, not because what they're saying is literally true. It's just making a statement, right? And I think Jesus, as a master of Hebrew spiritual teaching, spoke in Agadah. 
He, I don't think Jesus was interested in halakha. I think Jesus took halakha for granted. Of course we follow the Torah. Of course we follow. We are, we are the people of Israel. We have been given this gift. We do this. And yet there's so much more. If you're going to stop at don't kill, don't steal, you still haven't gotten that connection between yourself and your Father in heaven. We are all children of God. Let's live like children of God. And so how do I catapult people's minds and hearts into that relationship? Well, I'm just going to slap them upside the head until they sit up and take notice. And I'm going to tell them, if, you, you know, if your hand offends, you cut it off. If your eye offends, you cut it out. And I don't think Jesus wrote in the extra bits about go to hell. No, I think he just went boom, boom, boom. And the people around were like, what? What is he talking about? Surely he doesn't want the cult of the one eye. That's not what he's going for, right? And he's not. He's going, think about what you're clinging on to and why and what it's doing to your relationship, the only relationship that really matters in this life, right? And if you have something that you are hanging on to that you think is as important to you as a body part, but it is causing you to sin, to break your relationship with your creator, let it go. Let it go. Because it's not worth it. And I can think of all kinds of analogies with addiction, for example, where I couldn't live without my addiction, and yet it's destroying everything about who I am and my relationships and my life. And, and the answer is, if you really want to restore those relationships, I know you love it more than your eye or your hand, but you're going to have to let it go. Makes sense. But it's agadah. It's not halakha. It's not, if your eye offends you, cut it out. Literally, this is the rule. Right? But, So that's the difference, and I don't think Matthew got it. And so the only framework he had for interpreting Jesus' teachings was the framework of halakha, which he had had gotten from Deuteronomy, and it was legitimate. It was the tool he had. I think that we can do better in our understanding. And and this brings me to the uh, the last reading and the last point. If you don't know about the Sermon on the Mount and this incredibly high standard of the place of the heart which all of us as Christians live with and know. We all know these lines. We, we, all, we all have struggled with them. And we all get that they're pushing us into a good place, but they're kind of unreasonable. We all get that. Um, and if you're, if you're doing that, it's, it's because we need to make the shift, not just from halakha to agadah, but that switch from halakha to agadah is part and parcel of a general switch from infancy to maturity. And here we get to Paul where Paul is yelling at the Corinthians, as he does, saying, I told you not to fight. Can you start by not fighting, please? Right? Then we'll get to spiritual growth. But first, you've got to stop fighting. And I think of my poor wife on the playground doing duty at the school. And, you know, sure, we're going to learn about conflict resolution and talking about our feelings. But first, you have to stop punching each other. And you're going to be sitting in time out until you learn how to stop punching. So we start where we're at. And I think that's what God did with us. God gives us halakha first because it's the spiritual milk. And if you don't know that it's not okay to hate, then you need to read the Sermon on the Mount. And you need to feel bad about yourself. That's a good place to start. Now, if you've been trying to do that your whole life and you're still feeling bad about yourself, you're ready to move. Right? If you've really been trying, really trying hard, and you're still finding the limits of your own heart, Okay, it's time to move from the milk to solid food. It's time to make that jump. But you can't go get there from here. You have to do the milk first. You have to do, you have to do commandments. You have to, your spirituality has to start with, if you don't do these things, you're a bad person. So I think, I think some figure wagging is okay. 
when you're starting out. You need to have the finger wagged at you and you need to wag the finger at yourself. That's true. And then, once you've been doing that for a long time and you've reached the limits of where that can take you, then you move deeper. Then you move into sin and absolution. When you say, I will always be a sinner and nonetheless, God loves me for who I am. Sinner and all. For this reason, Christ died that he might save sinners, right? That this, and then you get into that radical acceptance, but you can't get there until you've accepted the sin. You've accepted the fact that you're not, your heart isn't where you'd like it to be. And then when you're there, you can go, oh, and I am beloved. And if you jump there too soon, then you're just into narcissism. God loves me. I'm awesome. I don't have to change at all. No, that's not how it works, right? I've been trying to change my whole life. I have changed. I'm, I'm doing okay, but I'm still struggling, and I still bump up against these things. And then you get that next level of, you know, yes, this was trying to push you in that direction, and now you're doing it. And so feel the love. Feel, feel the acceptance. Feel the unconditionality of God's love after you've been working on this. So you've stopped hitting. Good for you. Now you can start working on the where is God for me today. And, that, and that's the move that Agadah is trying to push us into. So we move from milk to solid food. The, uh, the, um, the other analogy, of course, it's me. So I was thinking about this stuff. It's just like music. It's so much like music. It's like scales. You know, you, you start out, I'm going to write the most amazing song ever, but I don't want to learn scales. They're just boring and stupid. And, and of course, your song sucks. It's just going to be bad. It's going to be a bad song because you don't know your scales. And scales aren't music. It's true but you got to do them. And no matter where you are as a musician, you have to keep coming back to them. You have to keep coming back to the basics. So, but, but your basics sound different now. Um, when you hear a master play a scale on a piano, it sounds like music because there's, there's a phrase. They can't do it without phrasing it, right? And it's, it's so different. And so it's a scale, but it's more than a scale. And so for me, that milk and solid food spiritually works the same way. We come back to Deuteronomy and we come back to Matthew again and again, but we do them from a different place. So we can hear that challenge to go deeper and go deeper, but we do that from a place of radical acceptance, that, that we know God loves us and that we love God. And we will try to dig deeper and dig deeper. And there will be a a win-win, a a virtuous cycle involved in our continuous growth towards oneness with God, which is in the end all that we've got. So so the milk to solid food, you got to have the milk and you got to keep coming back to it from time to time. But the point as Jesus continues to slap us around saying, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, not because you're bad if you don't, but because there's so much more blessing for you in the land where God is calling you to live. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.